Hello and welcome to a special year-end episode of the MHG podcast. Look, life is rubbish. Hey, the last couple of years have been a bit rubbish in all fairness. So we're here to bring you a little bit of joy and some light in your lives. And we've got a special episode this week. Once again, I'm Bradley and I'm joined by the Christmas spirit himself. I've now we stinks of Christmas spirit, one of the two. It's Stu. How are you doing, Stu? Oh yeah, I managed to stay sober enough, long enough to get on the podcast, and that's about it. <laughs> we we bought we bought some alcohol um, for Christmas, as, as everyone does. It's tradition. Do you want to know how much of the alcohol we've managed to get through? Go on, not one drop. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. are rubbish. We're crap as well. We did the exact same thing. Well, we didn't even get any in. Because we've still got some from, like, five years ago that we were like, oh, that's really nice. We'll have, we'll have a little snifter on Christmas night. <laughs> and um, it's like, oh, oh we'll that's have a it. word I've, you don't hear that often, a snifter. I know, right? It's a good oh, one. Yeah. And um, we yeah. were like, yeah, we'll do that every night, like, over Christmas. No, we didn't do that. Didn't do it in the subsequent years. Still got half a bottle. Said that we would do it this year and not had a drop, not had any sherry, not had any, not had anything with alcohol. And we don't drink anyway. But we've no. failed to drink at Christmas. So I think we've let everybody down, certainly all the British public. Yeah, we do. Um, I mean, obviously you didn't have Chevy because you're not 106 years old, but... True. <laughs> um, but no, we bought like a bottle of Baileys, um, a couple of couple of uh, like packs of cider. Um, and I saw we we had to pop to Basildon for something and there was like a, like a, a world food uh, style like shop. I had in there a strawberries and cream flavour cider. I was like, oh yeah, I'll give that a go. Um, it was like a brother's one. Um, so I got that, especially I was going to have that Christmas day as a treat. No, didn't have it. Um, and also, do you remember Dooley's? Dooley's? It's a toffee liqueur. Oh, right. I think I've seen it. It's coming that garish blue and red bottle. Yeah, I vaguely um, remember it, yeah. Right, it was, looked like it was aimed at kids, but I love that shit. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen it since about 2005. Um and we was um, randomly, we was talking about it a couple of weeks ago. It was like, oh, yeah, I've got, I could never get hold of it. Always used to enjoy that at Christmas. Anyway, we're going through B&M to try and pick up a couple of last-minute bits because it like, low, had been paid, so we had to pick up the like, last presents we was delaying. In B&M, we saw this tiny little gift set of one. It was like a little bottle of Dooley's and it had a little chocolate in it. It was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't believe that. And she went, oh, I'll tell you what, let's let's get it for you. I know you really like it. And it was like, I said, oh, you haven't got to. Uh, don't worry about it. She went, no, 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 we'll get it, we'll get it. Turn around, and on the shelf behind us was a full-size bottle, like a 70-centiliter bottle. And I went, right, okay, sack that one. I want that. <laughs> I like, I can't believe it. Like we talked about it for two weeks, talking about how you can't get it anymore, and then there it was on the shelf in B and M bargains. Nice, and you've not had a single drop of it. No, because now it's that that case, it's that thing of I love this stuff, but if I can't ever get it again, it's going to go to waste. So I won't enjoy it through fear of I won't be able to enjoy it down the line. Ah, oh, the old trap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that thing you do in video games, isn't it? Like you can be crap with money in real life, but you're brilliant at saving your, your your gill in your final fantasy games and stuff like that because oh, yes. you know just in case you need it oh yes <laughs> i always end these games a complete millionaire with like oh yeah yeah i can open I'm a loaded at video games you know honestly i make jeff bezos look like a peasant i know right yeah yeah i can buy and sell 
like <laughs> <laughs> the Final Fantasy world ten times over. Uh, but real life, I'm, I, you know, I'm literally a small disaster away from needing Lad Baby to be a dickhead. Um, <laughs> oh dear, we're not going to go too far into that because Jesus Christ, that Tory Waker needs someone uh, calling him out. Um, which has been happening this year. People are getting fed up with Lad Baby and their sausage rolls son and their Feed the UK parody. Just give money to food banks, by the way, people. Yeah. Don't give it to charity songs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's all I think that's all we'll say on that one because we're not going <laughs> to bring the tone down this yeah, week. I agree. Uh, because, because what isn't a Tory wanker and isn't about sausage rolls, and I don't think, oh, there is a, there is a, there, there is a sausage roll video game. There but is. you know what else can have sausage rolls in it? <laughs> <laughs> Segway. What, what's that? It's video games, Stu. It is video games, Bradley. Yes, it is. And I already broke the segue previously to that by saying... Anyway, carry on, Stu. Right? We're not doing what have you been... Well, we are doing what have you been playing, obviously. But we're talking about what's the best games of the year. The definitive list of best games of the year in no particular order. We've got three each... But there's only five. That's a mystery for you, if you're listening. A mystery better than a glass onion. <laughs> that's that's topical. Yeah, that's topical. It is, enough. yeah. That'll age well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that'll age really well. Um, so, but anyway, Stu, tell me, what's the favourite of what you've been playing this calendar year of 2022? Yeah, we always do like what we think were our favourite games rather than what we think are the best. And mm. it's weird because I do have a list of what I think were probably the best things that were released. And they do kind of align. But they never completely align because I just like stuff that you can just slap on and immediately start s- smacking stuff around the face. And, um, yeah, no, okay. I'm, I'm denigrating. Is that, cry, is, that, is, that a, is that a cry for help? I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. There's probably some <laughs> deep-seated trauma that it's exposing, to be quite honest with you. But no, I um, I do I do like immediate games. I don't; they're not the only things that I play. But I do like games with immediacy. And the first one I'll talk about is Horizon Forbidden West. So you've not actually played this one, uh, only a little bit, didn't you? You didn't get a chance to really kind of go into it. I've no, I've not played this one at all. Right, I am right. waiting for uh, the inevitable. Steam Deck verified release. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. And there will be. Um, how are they getting... Oh, well, that's a different question about... Uh, <laughs> Next week. Zero Next Dawn. Week we'll talk about chat. Zero Dawn. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it it's a strange... A, a lot of people think, oh, that's a strange choice because it's a very imperfect game. But there's quite a, there's a good few reasons I like it. I, so the first reason I like it is that it takes big swings and it it really goes for it and it doesn't always hit the mark by any stretch but when it does it really does and part of that is the imagination of the world so it's an incredibly imaginative world that they've built so just like god of war ragnarok it's got an incredible sense of place and it does that with a lot of skill and a lot of thought it's very surprising in places I always remember, like, I remember that I, what always sticks in my mind was um, coming to a sort of swampy area and it's got lots of uh, 
sort of there's a lot of dripping from the trees and there's mist and these stalker creatures mechanical creatures come after you in it uh it's incredibly atmospheric and then it can switch to be in a desert environment or at the sit at the um the shore of the ocean and all of it feels really like its own place so it, it doesn't feel like our world, but it feels like a world. And that's really hard to achieve in games, no matter what your budget is. And of course, it had a massive budget, but yeah, it just had the brilliance behind it. And the second thing is tied to that is the the amazing engine, the game engine. And it's it's such a beautiful game. It's beautifully it's beautiful artistically and aesthetically, but it's beautiful on a technical level. And I played it on the PS4. Um it's got rock solid 30 frames per second never varies the most impressive thing about it though is that it has per pixel motion blur so the one of the problems that people have with lower frame rates is that it's it looks jerky when you're playing it but because this has per pixel motion blur it doesn't just smear the screen that's what per pixel means it does it on an object level in the game so when you move the camera it blurs as you would expect in real life to a degree you know obviously to simulate room but um it that really really works and the skill and effort to do that and to get it working on like over 10 year old hardware just amazing so brilliant on a technical level and the final thing to say is yeah the gameplay has a lot of problems it the gameplay itself is great but it, it kind of messes things up a little bit by giving you too much choice, too many places to go, too many options with your weapons, too deep a crafting system. It's layered too much on too much, uh, and that stops it being a brilliant game. And it's, you know, it's a good game. Some people will even call it a great game, but it's not a brilliant game. But the thing is, they tried. They're trying really, really hard. There's no resting on your laurels. If you think of, like, again, Ragnarok, which is a kind of comparable game, that kind of just carries on. It does, it does some new stuff from the previous game, but it's really just building on that. This actually tries different things. It, it really stretches itself, and there's so much variety. And it can be hard to pick a path through the game that makes it great for you but if you do it's an amazing experience and it's it really does feel like in a different world and in five six years when technology catches up i'd love to play it in full vr as well and just see what it looks like when it's uh, done that way but yeah it really deserves its place in my list because it's just a fantastic experience it's, it's everything that you want from a game um in terms of shock and awe when you when you've played you feel like you've played everything you feel jaded with what they can achieve and you see something like this it's just an amazing achievement really oh 100 percent. it's it's a game I, I i really liked the first one uh zero dawn I, it's one of those rare games i will come to to sort of like something uh, why it's rare um, for me in, in a bit it's one of those rare games that i i've played from start to finish um and even done a lot of the side stuff that went with it uh, and everything like that because i i like the, the story was again we're not talking sort of like film or book quality story but it's a good video game story 
I really like the characterization of, of the series. Um, Aloy, I think, is an amazingly independent character um, that is a woman in the games in all the right ways, but being a woman isn't her defining character, yeah, um, which yeah. I really, really like. Uh, and look, say what you like about Sony. We have done quite a lot in the past. One thing they excel at, um, you know, the games they decide to make first party, they excel at this, is world building. Um, I don't think anyone comes close to them for the amount of IP they've got and the world building they do for those IPs. Um, whether yeah. you like the games or not, they are immersive. The worlds are just amazing to be in. And they just about, it's a really large open worlds just about stop it being barren wasteland you know you play an ubisoft game 2016 to 2023 whatever version you want to play if they of those games they're barren you know it's just you know lots of empty space mm. they're not yakuza like the sony games in terms of like there's just so much to do in like an open world because it's all condensed it just gets that feeling of scale right with stuff to do and yeah I, I i really really you know enjoyed the first again for all its shortcomings as well and again your opinion of this one it just makes me really excited to give it a go hopefully next year yeah yeah it, hopefully next year yeah that'd be great if it comes out on pc then um I, yeah it's not it's not for everybody um i think going into it with a sort of semi-guided experience of like choosing what it is you want to achieve is good as well so mm. thinking well i'm mainly about combat so i'm just going to focus on that or i really like crafting so i'm going to go for that or i'm going to just follow the main path and ignore the side quests or i'm going to go mostly for side quests and only go on to yeah so whichever way you choose you can do it and it's it probably benefits the player to choose what they want out of it before they go in rather than get overwhelmed but no, I agree with everything you said, especially about Aloy. You know, such a good character, really well written in the game. And yeah, it really helps propel the narrative and give you a sort of driving force and a reason to go through it as well, you know. So yeah, it may not be the best written game. Like you said, Sony games never are, but they're, they they create amazing worlds. And just being in them is is something that's worth experiencing, at least for a little while. Yeah, 100, 100%, 100% with it. And without spoilers or anything like that, um, is it set up that it is like, is it a game that a series that will carry on? Oh, yes, yeah, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, the question is are you done with it in terms of you've really had your feel of that sort of game in this world? Or do you want to see more of the same just developed on? Well, I'm... Well, as we, I keep coming back to Resident Evil. It's like <laughs> become the touchstone of this podcast. <laughs> but um, I keep coming back to how they've... What they've done really well over time is, is evolve the series, but not completely get rid of the roots. And yeah. I always like to see evolution... Uh, but I always like to see the roots of the thing uh, exposed as well and, and games still made in that environment and the, in that style. So 
I actually don't really mind which way they go. I would like, for Gorilla's sake, for them to go in a different direction. Um, because I feel they did that with moving from first-person shooters to third-person action. I would like to see what they did if they take a swing at... So, I mean, even if it's something I'm not a big fan of, you know, like Soulsborne-style games. I would like to see them give it a go, because I want to see that studio develop. Um also, you know, yeah, selfishly, I want to see new stuff all the time. And if then, years down the line, there was a smaller game in that engine that was an open-world game, fine. What, do I think that will happen? Probably not. I think they'll probably do a third game and they'll call it the end, in a tr- end of the trilogy and then they'll probably carry it on anyway. But, uh, yeah, that's what I would like to see. I'd like to see some evolution going on. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah. I, that, that, I think that's what I think will happen, is they will complete a trilogy with it. Um but it kind of it's a world and a thing that lends itself like the Witcher, the spin-offs of the Witcher. So you've got like there's that Witcher board game style game. You've got uh yeah. and I don't mean Gwent, I mean there's an actual like role playing board game type thing. Then you've got Gwent as well that spins off from it. So, you know, it it shows with the right characters you can do that. Um so it'd be again, it'll be interesting to see what they do 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 do. Um <laughs> What they do though, don't they do do? Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, it's yeah, I, I, it's one I really, really want to play, and it's um, it's one of those games where I don't want to play it on PS4 because I, I kind of it's one I want to save for if I ever get a PS5, and it's one of those games that makes me want a PS5, or I'll play it on Steam Deck. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's um, like I know that you're going this way even though you're not that bothered about frame rate uh, as, as much as other people. But that kind of consistency, the lack of tearing, the the smooth frame rate, the, the polish on day one is becoming increasingly rare in consoles. Mm. And the ones that do it, do it so well. And Horizon was like, there were, there were a couple of things on the PC, but forget that. On the, you know, on the PlayStation itself, absolutely flawless. God of War Ragnarok came out absolutely flawless, you know. You play it on PS5, it's a completely... It's what you want from... What you would expect from a game and so rarely get, which is just smooth, polished, looks brilliant, plays brilliantly, doesn't chug, doesn't mess you, pull you out of the experience. Increasingly rare, and it's great, and it should be championed when it actually happens. So I can I can well understand you waiting for a... yeah next gen version excellent if anyone wants to buy me a ps5 i'll gladly take one just just saying i know <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll barely play it but because you know it's not a steam deck but i'll gladly have one yeah while well, we're uh, asking for stuff i'll have a 4080 for my pc thanks yeah that'd be great i don't know oh, who, yeah, yeah, who yeah. we're asking but you know i'll take it santa claus he must have some leftover stock yeah probably yeah. Anyway, Easter Bunny. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Moving on, uh, we're nothing if not varied on this show. Um, Stu likes these games, and I'm surprised we've got a 2022 game in there. In all fairness, uh, but he likes his games from 1922. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I probably do in some way. I'm a weirdo. Uh, it's best ignore me. That's that's the safe option. To be fair. If I was to actually do uh, my favourite stuff of the year, there would be probably a bit more retro in there uh, because I've rediscovered retro properly this year thanks to Steam Deck. Um, 
But we're talking 2022 releases. Um, and the first one I'm picking is from my favourite video game developer um, and one of my favourite genres. And that's Sam Barlow with an FMV game. And that's Immortality. Um, now, again, I don't want to talk much about story or, or too much about it because, which is probably not ideal for an end of year uh, roundup of our favourite stuff. Um, but you need to play this game as uninformed as possible. That's all I will say. Um, so Stu will edit in a marker of when you can tune back in um, if you don't want to get me spoiled at all about it. But anyway, Immortality for me is Sam Barlow's magnum opus. Um, it's a masterpiece. Everything about it just has built on his previous titles. The storytelling, the acting, the, the concept and everything. It blurs the lines between what a video game is and a, a TV series, a film, a book and storytelling. It just blurs all those lines in a way I've never experienced before. Um, her story, I, I, I think, was absolutely brilliant. And the central performance in her story was out of this world. And for, for the actress to, to carry that all on her own was just, oh, it, it was brilliant. And then you had um, Telling Lies, which came out, and that that was really good. And it was his foray there into multiple actors. And I really liked the gameplay of that. Again, I, I felt that worked really well. The performances were great uh, with, you know, Pound Lamb, Tom Hardy, and the, the girl from uh, that scrub season we don't talk about. Um, but I, again, really enjoyed it. But that immortality i it just absolutely it's yeah I, a game that's gonna live with me for absolutely forever you kind of got um this mystery behind this actress called marissa marcel who she was uh you know a, a, a film star who only ever starred in three films and then just disappeared off the face of the earth um and you kind of take on, don't actually get a role as such. This is where I, I really like it. You are a character within Immortality. Same as you are in her story. You know, you you take on a role within the game. And um, your role is you're trying to piece together all this footage, this archive footage, to sort of like restore these films and then try and at the time uncover the mystery of, of Marissa Marcel. And you kind of go between the different scenes and you can click on anything in the image and it will find something else in another scene that's to do with that. Um, you know, you've got some really nice light-hearted moments. You've got some like professional interviews in there. You've got behind the scenes. You've got actual footage of the film. Uh, you know, you've got some really dark things in there and there's a couple of really shocking moments. You know, there's a... Like, one of them is, like, a sex scene, and it's a behind-the-scenes part of the sex scene. And you kind of realise how grubby and grimy some of this stuff would have been in Hollywood in the day and, and stuff like that. And it just takes you so many different places and takes you on so an emotional roller coaster. You know, it really, really is. And the central performance of Marissa Marcel is the outstanding performance. But the supporting cast as well really make it you actually get a lot of characters in there that 
stay in your memory. You know, you could pick up on a character, on one of the characters early on as you're doing some stuff. And then hours later, you come to someone else. Uh, or you come back to them and you remember them. But you haven't seen them for ages. And it kind of all starts to lead together. And the, the story unfolds. And unlike her story, which you came to a conclusion at the end. There is more of a conclusion here. But it's still what you make of it. Um, and honestly, it's... For me, these are the um, the fighting fantasy books. Um, the the, the uh, sorry the Livingston books and everything they're those in a modern format and just but the the greatest example of them um, FMV games used to always be mocked because they were essentially a couple of videos with a, a, a branching interactive point and what Sam Barlow's done is turn it into something completely different. He's, he's reinvigorated and changed the genre beyond anything anyone could have imagined when we first saw, like, Night Trap or, or Mad Dog McCree and, and things like that. And, yeah, I, it's just, for me... Again, it's not perfect. I know a lot of people aren't too keen on it. Um, and for me, the best, fil the best media, films, books, games, the lot, are the ones that not everyone agrees on. And... This is one of them. For me, it is oh, it is just something so, so special. And, yeah, it's why it's one of my favourites of the year and of all time. Superb, yeah. No, so it's um, it's in what it's in my top ten of the year, which it, it speaks to its quality and difference because I, I didn't even very much like it as a game. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I don't think you're supposed to. I don't think that you have to. I think you have to get an appreciation for what it's doing and let it work on you and work on your brain. And it, it's it's like one of those films... I'm not saying that it's like a film, because ironically, it's not like a film. Um, it doesn't feel like a film. It feels like you're doing a mixed-media investigation, which is what it's supposed yeah. to be. It feels like what it's supposed to be, which is really difficult to achieve, I think, and so I'm very impressed with that. Um it doesn't feel like a film and but like a film it it can be watched to experience something rather than to be entertained you know rather than to be taken away or made happy or give it you know have your pleasure centers fired it it doesn't seem to want to do that it seems to want to go i'm going to take you places and some of them you won't like uh, you might get a, a sensation of, of accomplishment from working things out, but the rest of it is going to be very difficult. Um, and I really appreciated that. And it, uh, kind of like Bandersnatch, the Charlie Brooker thing that he did, I came away from that really appreciating it. And loads of people yeah. went, oh, after all that, I was really disappointed. I was like, well, I don't know what you kind of expected, to be honest. Um I came away from it really impressed and, and kind of really glad and it really sticks in my memory and I get that from Immortality even though it's not something I would it, I didn't complete it because I got to a point where I couldn't go any further without just basically clicking on everything uh, yeah. which I wasn't willing to do um, but I still appreciated every moment I, I had with it so yeah no, I, I agree with you I think it's a, it's a, it's a towering work in a weird way yeah, I think, actually, you make a really good comparison there. See, I didn't get on with Bandersnatch at all. Um, yeah. Which surprised me, because for me, this is... 
you know, it's a full motion video experience game almost. But I felt that had more in common with Night Trap than it did her story. And because I'd experienced her story, Bandersnatch just didn't work for me. Um, and now you've got me wanting a Charlie Brooker Sam Barlow collab. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. That could work on so many levels. Um, I thought like the idea of a band of stats was was spot on. Charlie Brooker's writing is on point every single time. Um, all the teams he gets in, he he knows what he's created. I just felt the execution was more was more night trap than San Barlow. Um, yeah. But yeah, immortality. You, you were right, a good film, a good book isn't one that you just come away going, that was so entertaining and fun. It is the ones that live with you for whatever reason. Not just make you cry, they can make you angry. You can hate the film, but they leave an impression on you. And that's what immortality will do. You won't come away from it going, eh, alright, it's alright. I don't think that's that's possible. You will love it. You will hate it. You will feel a range of emotions, but it's certainly one where you're not going to go, eh, whatever. Yeah, it could never be described as a meh game. It's uh, no. it's going to bring out feelings in you. And to do that, when you know, you've know you tried so many things and done so many different things and played so many different games, that that's a real achievement. It really is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Anyway, moving on from... FMV and missing actresses. What have you got next in our variety of quality street games? Quality street games. There's the title. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, it couldn't really be more different. Uh, it's from the sublime to the ridiculous uh, because the next one is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, which is about as anti-intellectual as you can get, really. So, <laughs> but. It's totally. I mean, I mean, Michelangelo's got some philosophies. Come on. Well, yeah. Plus, you know, yeah, they're all named after famous, you know, artists and Renaissance figures, aren't they? So exactly, yeah, you can't point. get any more highbrow. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's 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 one of those things. It's happy to label itself as dumb fun, I would expect, but is actually, you know, a very sophisticated brawler, uh, as brawlers yep. go. And yeah, it's 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 so good. It. <laughs> I honestly think that it got a bit of not of a backlash, but I think some people were a bit disappointed, and I'm not sure why, and I'm not sure what they expected. Uh, whether they wanted another Streets of Rage four, uh, I don't know. But what's great about it? I mean, you can't get over the fact that the first thing that obviously hits you are the graphics, which are absolutely superb. Mm-hmm. When you you kind of you compare them against the old games they're such a beautiful continuation of them they just they look so good they're packed with character they they're evocative they're nostalgic they're beautifully animated it's just in, entirely aimed at being fun and silly completely gets that and it, it never wavers from that all the way through so that's fantastic it's great to have something that's just silly fun and that's a kind of more high profile game there are lots of silly fun indie games but there aren't that many that are that, that reach the the wider public consciousness these days um because most of them are like shooters or whatever uh so it's lovely from that kind of aesthetic and nostalgic level 
but as a as a beat em up it's absolutely great it's 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 not streets of rage 4 which is always always been more final fight kind of tanky um slow over getting overwhelmed and your skill and timing gets you out of it this is much more of a style of your speed is the key factor your ability to move around the level and not stay in one place and use the environment to your advantage and carefully curate when you're in the air when you use your aerial attacks bouncing off characters using throws to manipulate them so it's got all of the classic beat em up stuff but it also layers in a lot of motion and really reinforces the the importance of your physical position in in the screen whilst jumping and, and using aerial attacks like i say so it, it does that really really well and it also gets that balance right of being fun enough to you can kind of button mash through a lot of it without being too heavily penalised, but also it rewards skill, and that's you know you'll get the most out of it when you put the effort into it. So it kind of succeeds on every single level for me, and it's a shame that it never it's it's not really got the recognition that it probably deserves but you know on the face of it it's a fairly simplistic game it's never going to appeal to everybody anyway so hopefully the enclave of people who like it really like it and it would be really nice if we could see more of it but if we don't a beautiful drop of like cartoony happiness in the midst of a a fairly dull and, and kind of depressing year really yeah totally and it's uh it's obviously it's the proper turtles as well. Um, the original <laughs> yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the only ones who count. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love the original movies. Um, they're bad, but I love them. Uh, but whenever you say turtles to me, this is what I see. I've I've seen some of the uh, the TMNT reimaginings and things like that, and yeah, fine. But that's not the turtles. The turtles are this the eighties style um, originals, and they still, you know, character wise, you can see, like even in the pixel graphics of this, you can see their personalities shine, uh, yeah. which is something I feel any modern retelling of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has got rid of. Um, you know, it's not worked by getting more serious or more modern. It's something that needs to be eighties camp. Still, and the game's got that in spades. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's surprising when you then go back and play the Turtles arcade games because this is what you remember them being compared to, I think we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the um, the Cowabunga collection. And this is what I remember the arcade games being. This is not what the arcade games actually were. No. Um, it's got all the quality of life that it needs. To, to sort of like make it work today properly and yeah i i you know i've not finished it i'm not very good at these games i enjoy them uh that seems to be a theme with a lot of games for me uh but it's yeah it's it's absolutely brilliant and i i hope that we get a a, a new turtles game down the line in this in this style or even you know maybe remake the cowbunga collection in this style yeah, I would be. I don't normally care about remakes very much, but I would happily see them remake them in this graphics engine. I think one of the things that 
I, everyone kind of like raves about like the Simpsons arcade and stuff and and X Men by Konami in the early nineties, but you know I I compared to most people I've played them recently and they don't hold up as well uh, because there was a problem with Konami programming these things where they didn't get the impact right and replaying the Kawabunga collection is the same and it does feel a bit mushy. The connection with the hits isn't great. Your your footsie work so that you're close enough without being hit but being able to hit them isn't precise enough. So, I mean, all of this stuff won't mean much to most people, but for people who've played a lot of beat-em-ups, it will. And that's what they've corrected the most in this, that it, it the the actual fighting is done in such a way that it, it feels impactful and crunchy and... That you know, on top of that, the characters feel really different. They all have their own move sets, um, which is very important. But yeah, the most important thing they've done is they've tidied up that Konami thing of not making it feel impactful, in the exact opposite way of Capcom, who made everything feel impactful and why they're the masters of this type of game. But yeah, no, it's it's just it's just great. Uh, if you're on the fence and you've not played it, I'd say definitely play it. You know, if you, if you even have any interest in these games, and they're not for everybody, but if they if they click with you, then oh, they're so good. They're so good. Yeah, and I dare you not to wet yourself a little the second you hear the theme tune kick in. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's one of those. It'll never be better. The first iteration. It's just so good. It is. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm glad, like in the UK, we get the ninja version now, not hero. At last, I know. It's like, hey, we've grown up a bit. Yeah. Ninja, ninja, we're not scared of ninjas anymore. Nanny state. <laughs> non, no non. Well, is it no nunchaku? You couldn't have those in it. No. Uh, you could have a sword, but no nunchaku. You Wait. could have all the violence in the world, just not from ninjas and nunchucks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely wonderful game. And, you know, the, the game. I think the last two games we showed what's wonderful. You know, video games. The industry is in a bad place at the moment in the AAA in the AAA area. But I think you know the last two, especially, we've shown what's brilliant about video games that you can go for something that's impactful because of the seriousness of it and because it's not fun. And has, you know, it, it takes you certain places. And then you could jump from that to Shredder's Revenge and just have a great time wailing on foot soldiers. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. And it's just so full of colour and joy. And yeah, it's it's brilliant. And I'm glad you put that one in. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I do think about these things quite a lot. And um, mm. it just, it bullied its way there just on sheer exuberance, which is always a good thing. So you done it differently to me. I just went, okay, what's my three favourite games? And the first ones that came to mind went, that's clearly my three favourite. Yeah. Well, that's good. If you know your own mind that well, that's excellent. Yes. <laughs> I did then think about it afterwards and go, actually, there's others that could argue a place, but they'll go in when we talk next week, like more of is what else what just missed out uh, episode. Yeah. Um, just because it's going to be first for the new year and we could ease ourselves in. So it's a lazy episode next week. Um, Marvellous. Moving on, my other, my next choice is a game that bucks my bucks the trend for me. Um, generally, if a game goes over twenty hours, it loses me, or it's got to be pretty special to keep me engaged. Um, you know, Persona Four Golden did it. Um, I got like 
60, 70 hours, whatever it was, it, I threw that one on the Vita. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn done it. I think that was that was a little over 20 hours. Um, and, and, you know, so on and so forth. But generally, a game needs to be less than 20 hours for me to really stick it. Um, again, finding out recently that's due a lot to ADHD. Um, and ASD and, and things like that. So, my next choice is Persona 5 Royale. Oh, Royal, sorry. I keep saying Royale. It's not Royale, it's Royal. Yeah. Um, and I've not finished every side mission. I've not finished every single social... Well, all the social stats I've got up. But I've not finished every confidant link to Max. And I didn't even get, like, the true, true ending. So, technically, I could go back and do the extra semester. But I got 107 hours, I think, in the end to complete the main story. And... That's unheard of for me. Um, I got going um, at the second attempt. So I did have this originally on PS4, and I can't play these games on a big screen. Um, you just will not keep my attention. I need to be head-focused, handheld. So Steam Deck, yeah, brilliant. I, that, that's me sorted for Persona, uh, playing it handheld. And I just... I'm, I, it's such a good game. Such a good game. Um, the writing in it, I, I, I think, is underrated. Um, you've got these school-age characters. Um, and there's certain actions in the, in the game and certain uh, interactions between the characters that should make you feel creepy as fuck. They really, really should. Um, you know, they talk about sex and... They talk about object ob objectification, but at no point is it done. And we spoke about this for the titillation of the viewer, of you. It's not for you. You kind of get um, like Anne. Um, he, he's objectified quite a lot, um, but in a way where you kind of go, "Oh, okay, that that's not right." And actually, her friends are protecting her. Uh, but at the same time, there's a, a beach scene that comes up and, that you know, all the girls start wearing bikinis and stuff like that at the beach. And as, you know, 16-year-old girls would do in any walk, you know, in most countries, shall we say. And, um, like, the boys, like, all their mouths drop. And it's like, oh, my God, you know. Because, again, I, when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, and, you know, you saw any of your classmates with a bit of skin showing and stuff like that, you was like, oh, my God, Wow. Someone's grown up. Um, and it's kind of got that, but not for you. It's the characters. And because it's for the characters, it works. You don't feel grubby. And I've played other games like Demon Gaze where you feel grubby playing them. Um, you don't feel that with these. And you get to really like the characters. The story develops at a really nice pace, which is weird to say for a game that's over 100 hours long. For the main story. But it develops at a really good pace. And honestly there was a point. At about 60 hours I thought it was ending. There was a point at about 80 hours. Where I thought I was coming. I was actually ending. And you, you get a couple of swerves on it. And it's just. You don't go. Oh. Oh I thought it was done. You just kind of go. Oh okay. That, that was wow. I wasn't expecting that. What's next? There was one point I thought I forced myself down into a bad ending, such was the way it ended. And I was like, oh, okay, well, my ending's a bad ending, so that's that. That's how I'll see it out. And then, whatever, you know, you get more stuff. 
And it's just beat for beat. It's just nailed it. There's one boss that everyone complains about and I complained about and I had to watch videos on how to get through it and how to basically cheese the buggery out of it uh, because it just like ramps up the difficulty randomly for this one particular boss uh, which is a bit frustrating but this speaks to the quality of the game 99 times out of 100 with other games I would have gone I'm done now I got to the end of Demon Gaze um, the final boss was a bitch and I really did not fancy it I did I just went oh, I can't be asked. one boss left to beat to beat a game and I just went nah I'm done yeah um, this though, no, I went no. I'm getting through this. I am getting through this, and I because I want to know what happens next. Um, and uh, it's just an epic. And the Persona games, you know, are, are are good. Persona Three Portable was good from what I remember of that. I didn't actually finish it, so I can't wait for the uh, the uh, remaster of that to come out. Persona Four Golden is amazing, uh, but this just tops them all. This is the best Persona game I've ever played. Um, and I, it, it's you know it's made me really appreciate the genre more than I ever have before, and I'm gonna go back and play some of the other SMT games. But it's yeah, this is just a genre-defining game, and it's one of those I think even if you've never played one of these or you've only ever dabbled in it before, this is even though it's over a hundred hours minimum, it's a great jumping-in point because. It plays well. The quality of life improvement over the years have come into it. Uh, Storytelling is good. It's got decent accessibility settings built in, cooked in. You know, nothing really you need to change. It's got, you know, it's voice acted in all the right places. It's subtitles. It's readable. The fonts are considered. The graphic style works. The the anime sections are really, really good. And it's just everything about it. And the balance between dungeon crawling and... The visual novel stuff works really well. I don't care that I could spend nearly five, six hours on a story beat and then go and spend another couple of hours doing dungeon crawling because it, it just moulds together so, so well. And to get that right is just, it's not easy. I've spoke about games this year that have got that utterly wrong. This doesn't, it's brilliant. And oh, I, I can't believe I completed a hundred hour plus game. It's just superb. Yeah, we've we've broken Brad with this game. It's uh, it's turned you into something else, hasn't it? You're wearing like one of those funky masks and yeah. developing different characteristics, and yeah, you, yeah, you've yes. gone down the rabbit hole, and quite rightly, and I agree. I it's in my top ten as well. It's just completely again different. It's just yeah. reinvented so much. So it's taken some of the best things about Japanese RPGs and stuck them in there and about visual novels and about, uh, you know, sort of scripted sequences and great the way that they approach storytelling. And all of it's pretty much unique to what you can achieve in, in video games. You can't really do elsewhere. And to get that pacing correct and to go, we're going to tell this story, we're going to split it up into semesters so that it, you know it's going to take a long time but there's a reason why it's going to take a long time because you're going to develop alongside the characters you know yeah. and uh yeah very very cleverly done and incredibly stylish just one of the nicest looking games that i've seen in, in many a long year and I, uh, yeah what 
you actually are really interested there because what you actually get as well, if this was EA making this or Ubisoft or, or anyone, the way this game is structured, this would have been released as three different games at 40 quid a pop. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas this is one game. Um, and, you know, whether you pay, whether you get it cheap or whether you pay the full 40 quid for it or whatever it is, you get, you're getting your value for it. And uh, th- that shouldn't be the defining point. But yeah, any other, any, anyone else, this gets, this is, uh, this is multiple games in a series. Um, the fact this is one game is just brilliant. I know, you know, I've said before that I think this would fit episodic content really, really well. And it's just, you know, I could see them one day maybe doing an ongoing persona gaming series um that they release something monthly you know uh, a new story within an overall world monthly or, or something like that but the fact they're still going traditional here's the game okay yeah we've got now our special edition version of it that adds stuff and improves stuff um and they seem to have married into that a bit much in the same way pokemon does the you get two versions of the same game um you know, you expect Persona that you'll Persona Six will come out, and then you'll get I don't know Persona Six Melon or something like that a, a couple of years later. Yeah, um, you know it, you, that you have to expect that side of it. But they release a game, and it's got so so much content in it that it, it just that, that they they pin everything to what that this is our game and. Like it or not, this is what you're getting. And yeah, I absolutely adore this game. Um, and another one that is just going to live with me for many, many reasons. Absolutely. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, I know it's not like brand new to 2022, but it certainly deserves its place on the list, I reckon. Well, it does because it released on PC for the first time, Switch for the first time, and Xbox for the first time. So, you know, it counts. I agree. Stick your rules. <laughs> oh, you anarchist, you. If we had nothing but rules, but no, I'm not going Al Murray. No, we're not, we're not, we're not doing Al Murray today. <laughs> so, our next What's one. Next. Oh, God, now. Oh, yeah, this is the one. The one we both put in our list. Uh, would you like to introduce it? So we are talking about FIFA 22. No, we're not talking about FIFA <laughs> We are talking about Vampire Survivors. Vampire yeah. Survivors, which is a game that is so simple that it's almost too difficult to describe why it's so good. It has yeah. no right to be as good as it is. It was developed by one bloke as a way to... Uh, you know, make a little bit of a splash, as a lot of first games are. And boy, did it make a splash. And it's become an absolute cultural phenomenon. You know, it's considering that its main platform is Steam and that a load of people get it as their first Steam Deck game because it's cheap and brilliant. Just all these factors are so weird. It's one of those great stories that you really like to hear about. But in terms of gameplay, yeah, it's just really simple. You start with a character you've got to survive for 30 minutes and you pick up weapons automated weapons that help you survive and yeah that's pretty much it but i think one of the things of genius i won't talk about everything i think is genius but the one thing that i think is genius is that whole ripping up of castlevania because one of the things you and i always talk about brad i've talked about all through the year is how we like things new experiences 
being set in old settings or pre-existing settings and that's kind of like that this is almost a Castlevania Gaiden style game because it steals a lot of the musical cues and a lot of, and all loads of visual cues like sprites and weapon types and all sorts and it's like yeah this is what Konami if Konami weren't an absolute shell of a company this is something that they could and should have done years ago but yeah that's my opening sally. Go on, what are you going to say about it? Uh, it's rubbish. <laughs> it's not as good as FIFA. Uh, yeah. No, 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 yeah, now you said FIFA. I said, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, FIFA. <laughs> um, no, it does that thing where the gameplay, you look at it, just go, it's, it's like the gameplay loop shouldn't be good. It's, you don't do anything. Essentially, you just walk. Um, but, you know, it's it, it's brilliant for that. And it kind of... But what it has, it has that dopamine effect. You know, there's so many things happening on screen. And, you know, you get rewarded with, with chests and crates and lights and noises and bells and whistles and flashes and, uh, and everything. Um, and it's... It does that so, 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 so well um, that you just hit with dopamine effect after dopamine effect. And what you think might be a half hour run is a half hour run or maybe even a 10 minute run. But you do that 20 times because you just get so drawn into it. Um, and it has that same effect of, and I, I've been trying to search for the game and I can't remember what the game's called. I had it on, on, on the Switch. Where there was this, uh, it was like a platformer. Um, it was a fairly basic platform where you played this, this, this girl. You went through and you had to beat up monsters for missions and and stuff like that. And but it used to sort of like when you done stuff, you just got like this influx of gems and flashing lights and everything. And it was just, it didn't matter whether the game was great or not. It was just so many flashing things and colours everywhere that you just went, "Ooh, this is pretty," and you played it because of that. Um, and I'm, I'm going, if I, if I remember what it is, I'll let Stu know and he'll do magical future Stu stuff here. Um, but it was it was brilliant. And this does exactly the same thing. It's, you know, it's one button, um, essentially, for most of it. Apart from, you know, you have to press another button to go, yeah, God, I'll have that. Um, and it does, the same, it's got that same effect uh, like Super Monkey Ball does, where it's, the you know, the concept is simple, the gameplay is simple, Tetris does it as well, um, where you know what you're doing after five seconds. You know what the game's all about, and you get everything in that first five seconds. Um, you know, essentially, you go in, you go one, two, three, four, five gems, I think you need to collect, and you get your first level up. That's the game. You get better. You can kill things a bit easier. That's the game. You do it again. You get slightly better or something a bit different. You experiment. That's the game. And that loop doesn't get boring. Even after you've beat a level, um, you're not done. You, you want to go back because you're like, well, I've done it with that. But I've got all these unlocks left to get. What are all these unlocks? And what do they do? And, oh, that done that. Okay. Oh, look, you can they're doing this. And it's an actual map. Oh, there's things, there's actually a point to this. There's a map that tells you that there's things over there. And that's the question mark, so that's got to be something. Um, so you, you do it and you fail. You fail miserably. And then you go, okay, well, I'll give that a go. Oh, I've unlocked this other thing now. And this says that I could combine these two weapons. And if I combine these two weapons, I'll get this special weapon. So I know that if I get that, I could base, I could do this particular build. So you do that. 
And then you go, right, okay, so what can I combine that with to get further and further and further? And you become, you know, essentially, you get to a point where you just become an all-powerful being. And you can do it with one character and complete every level with one character. Or you could go and unlock another character. And if you beat certain, if you get certain things, you'll unlock new hidden characters, and they've got different starting weapons, and you build different builds, and it just it's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer, and it just all merges together in a way that is so difficult to convey to somebody of how special this is, because I took a break. I had an early access version. Um, I did take a break from it, and then I went back to it. And the game hasn't changed, but it's changed in so many ways. But it's the same game. And, again, the, the only thing I can compare it to is Tetris. Tetris has not changed, and it's still the same basic game. But Tetris Effect is completely different to Game Boy Tetris. But they're the same game. You play one, you can play the other. It's the same with this. No matter how much this game develops, you've played the first one, the, you played this first time round, it's the same game. And you will get, even though it might be different overall, it's the same game and it's all the better for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving away from its first principle would have been a massive mistake and it, it doesn't. And it's just so simplistic. It's like you say, it's what I feel it does completely differently and completely brilliantly is that it's like you said it's like one stick movement and you know it's like Pac-Man or it's like you know any game like that where you can just pick it up and get it immediately but the one thing that it does that the game couldn't is that it throws thousands of enemies on the screen and that's the, the thing that is still quite unique today because you know I think we mentioned it when we when both of us first started playing it um even with the increase in power of computers where you can do pretty much anything that you want developers are focused on making things shinier and prettier and you know all of that whereas this has gone no I'm using that power to put thousands and thousands of enemies on the screen at once and I'm making a good game out of it and that is unique it really is that constant pouring in of hundreds of different creatures is still a unique feeling and you don't yeah. get it elsewhere. It really makes the game stand out. No, the, you say that, but the, the only other place you get that is in a Musu game. So, you you know, you did Dynasty Warriors, your Persona 5 Strikers, um, Legend of Zelda Warriors, I can't remember what that was called, Hyrule Warriors, sorry, those sort of games. But this is just when, instead of like where they've got like Dynasty Warriors 9 and try to layer new stuff on it that changes the game, this went, actually, let's take away the thing that makes a Musu game even slightly interactive, and yet somehow makes it more engaging than a Musu game. <laughs> you know, because your Musu yeah. games, you're having to constantly press a button, and you, you, you are, you know, you, it's essentially this. You get hordes of enemies, you take them down with ease, and processfully you take down more, and you get harder enemies, but you can build on it and build on it, better weapons, etc., etc. But you're pressing buttons, which you think that's what the Musu games need. It's mindless, you're pressing buttons, but you're interactive. This takes a layer of that away, and is better for it. And, you know, I think it lives in the level design as well. Because um, when you first play it, you just think, they're, oh, there's just endlessly repeating tiles. And you go, so I see what they've done. You just go anywhere in this world and, you know, you'll get certain enemy, uh, enemy sets 
come at you. Um, it's only sort of after a couple of hours that you've unlocked a couple of bits, you actually realise you're in a map. And it's actually a structured level to a degree. Yeah. And that's genius. That It made you to go, this is what you thought the game was. Actually, no, this is what the game is. There's a point to it. Um, and yeah, it's... I almost want more to unlock um, in a way. Um, I, you know, I, I, there's, I, I think sort of like you get reward. One, I think one of my favourite rewards is one of the levels you unlock where it's just this constant overall forest and you're just taking down flowers and levelling up and levelling up and levelling up. And all you just do, you just become powerful just taking down flowers for the most part. And... That's just brilliant. It's like your reward for some of the more difficult stuff earlier. You just go, it just goes, oh, have at it. Just take down everything in your sight. And you just wander through. And it should get boring because you're not doing anything in that one at all. Because nothing's even a danger to you. Yet, I spent half an hour on that first time out just going, that was amazing. Yeah. That, that I'm, I'm not doing anything. There's no point to this, but it's amazing. Um, and yeah, it, it, it just does that time after time after time after time. Um, and I've still got loads to unlock um, because I don't play this as religiously as others do. And because um, I, you know, the ADHD, so I've got to play everything. Um, I, you know, I haven't played this as much. I've not unlocked everything, but I'm getting through it. And you know, I, I said, like, Persona 500 hours, go through that, and I wanted to get through that story. This will get well over 100 hours in its lifetime with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's for anyone who wants to know as well, it's inclusive. Um, it's the developer, seems like a really decent person. It's got James Stephanie Sterling has done the bestiary for it. Um, and has managed to sneak in a trans character, which has angered some people. Um, and I think the reaction was, if you're angered by this, don't buy my game. Don't care. Um, and I, I, I don't... What, what comes next? Because they've been developing it, and I don't think they're done developing it. What, what, what Honestly, what comes next with this, do you reckon? Uh, I don't know. I he's a very he, see, the per, the developer seems to be a very imaginative guy. Um, like you said about the the reveal of it being a map and stuff uh, rather than scrolling tiles. Uh, he's kind of got a bigger picture plan of what's hmm. going on than we recognise, and I think that I would hope that they just move on to something completely different and do something totally different, and that if if they're determined to have this as a franchise that that's just sold off to other people so I can forget about it because I don't really need more than this game in this style I'd like I'd love to see what else he's got up his sleeve to be honest have you played any of the pretenders no I've not no see I have and I initially done that feel of oh everyone's playing vampire survivors let's try something else see if it's improved on going ah yeah it's all like everyone's got on that so it's probably going to go this way so I'm just going to enjoy this do you know what you get that initial yeah this is different it adds something and then you go back to Vampire Survivors and go I don't want the added thing I don't need it you, you, you know it's 
you know, there's one one of them. I can't remember which one it is I played. And it's kind of got this Slay the Spire style level progression. So you kind of do a map and then you choose which direction to go in for your next one. And you'll get either to go and do another level or you might get a mystery box to unlock or a story beat or something. And it takes you through that. And you like, oh, that's a really good idea. At least it adds something. But once I discovered that Vampire Survivors actually has almost this story to it or these maps... And there's things to unlock. I was like, oh, this is much better. Because it's through discovery. It's not telling me I've got to do something. It's through yeah. discovery. Yeah. And there's another one where you kind of adds the Musu bit back, where you actually have to aim a bit as well. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't need that. Vampire Survivors yeah. does it so much better. Um, and, you know, 20 Minutes to Dawn is another one, which is an absolute clone of it. And it's fine. You know, it's it's fine. It's decent enough. Um, but again, it's, I, you know, the developer has, has hit the nail on the head with this one. And I do not think it could be bettered by anyone else but them. That's absolutely why I'd love to see them do something something new because it really does feel as though, you know, yeah, I, I've got this better than you think I've got this, if you see what I mean. Like, mm. I've got this. It, it's so such a confident debut. That I'm like, yeah, do some do some other stuff, you know. Yeah, get it get it done. I wanna see it. And yeah, so I was having a look. It was actually released early access on the seventh this is why I had to have this debate, like we had to have a mini discussion about this. Seventeenth of December twenty twenty one, it the uh, early access release was. And I think I picked it up literally then because it was like I think it came out at like one ninety nine or one fifty nine or something initially was the early access price. It was something stupid anyway. I mean, it's still ridiculously cheap now, but it's I'm sure it was like £1.59 early access. Um, and I swear I played it last year, and I did play it last year. Um, and it's, yeah, it's done early access right. It's added stuff, I think, sort of like at least monthly, if not more regularly than that, um, and built to a, a, you know, a 1.0 release in a great way. And what I hope, what I really, really hope is that obviously the developer carries on, makes new things. But if they've earned enough to go one and done, then fair play. Congratulations. You deserve everything you've got coming to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if it's one and done, absolutely fair enough. Hopefully not. But yeah, what a great what a great way to sign out if that's it. it could, yeah, it could be the chumble one, but of video games. Oh, don't say that. Make me feel a little bit sick. I think I've thrown up in my mouth a little bit. Well, you never know. We, you know, he gets knocked down and everything, and you just start again, don't you? You get up again. Can I just set fire to Chumbawamba instead? <laughs> is that too harsh? You're never going to turn him round, either, Stu. No, I guess not. And you know what else you could do with this game if you get too engrossed in it? What's that? You can start pissing the night away. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god, Bradley. Who would have thought, Stu, that we would see out 2022 on Chumba Wamba? <laughs> not me. Definitely not. Oh, but it, I tell you what, it has been... And we, we say this all the time. If you scratch beneath the surface of AAA video games, if you look beyond Fortnite and FIFA and Call of Duty and, and rape Ubisoft games and, and stuff like that, there is a whole world of amazing titles. Um, you know, we've got a AAA game in there 
on just th- this short list in, in like uh, Horizon, we've got Double A in Persona, and we've got pure indie in Vampire Survivors and Immortality, and that and then in between the, all of that in Turtles, and we've covered five different genres. <laughs> you know, it just shows there's just so much out there. And next week, you know, we will talk. Not going to talk in depth about any of them, but it's almost going to be a list show next 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 week as we just go through everything else that we think you should at least give a look at uh, because it's been an amazing year for quote unquote the indie side of video games. Yeah, at least definitely uh, mixed in with the horridness. That's one thing I want to see next year with video games. Can we start to hold those accountable that need to be held accountable for their actions? So, you know, we could just actually just enjoy video games without having to worry about what's actually going on behind the scenes and if you could is it worth actually picking up this game or is it or are you funded hate? Yeah. Cause something I could guarantee you that won't be in next year's game in a year, Stu. What? It's Hogwarts Legacy. Oh god, no. <laughs> no chance. No. Because uh, it's apparently been confirmed you can't be a trans character in Hogwarts Legacy. There's oh, a shot. What a surprise, yeah. And she kicked off uh, someone who said they won't be buying on, on Twitter uh, to show that this isn't extreme. It's going to link to JK Rowling. Some people like to sort of like say, well, it's not going all to her. She kicked off at someone because they said they won't be buying it and blah, blah, blah. And there's a whole thing on Twitter with her kicking off. So she knows very much about this game and she will be getting a lot of proceeds from it. Don't fund hate. Absolutely. Somebody on, I saw, I can't remember where it was, but they said, you know, in response, oh, that's it. It was, it was on TikTok. A response to people saying, oh, you know, but the all the teams that have worked on this and all the developers and they say they've already been paid, mate. They've been paid. They're, they, you know, if you don't buy the game, they've still been paid. You know, it's a win-win. <laughs> you know, a lot of people who have worked on the game will have not been aligned with what J.K. Rowling is, and they'll still have got paid. So don't buy the game and relaxing the fact that the people who actually did the work actually got paid. So and they won't get rewarded if it don't sells game busters because that goes straight into the pockets of the CEOs. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah, precisely. Um, so, look, if you're going to buy Hogwarts Legacy, you was going to spend 30 plus quid, buy 10 copies of Vampire Survivors and gift it to friends. Yes, yeah. Or I do the trick that I often do if I'm getting it on a console: buy it secondhand so that the uh, the horrible people at the top don't get any money from it. Or pirate the fuck out of it. Absolutely, yes. Hit the high seas. Your bobbly. See, this we're on to Vampire Survivors, and James Stephanie Sterling has a, a role in Vampire Survivors. Look, you are morally obliged to pirate Ubisoft games, EA games, Activision games. Morally obliged, and they have also some Warner Brothers games. Yep, yep, I agree. <laughs> it's it's weird. Uh, just like as, as always, fun thought that I used to sort of like like not be anti piracy, but I was like, yeah, you know, you shouldn't pirate. You you know, it's not fair on those that have worked on it and stuff like that. But my stance has also become going triple A's are corporations now, and screw them. Well, you can't just... Um, you, the important thing with the world is to keep learning and to keep mm. changing and to evolve, like much like a Pokemon. Um, you know, you've, you've got to keep going forward. You've got to catch them all. <laughs> this is really going down a Pokemon stream that I wasn't really thinking of going to do. But, yeah, you've, you've got to evolve. You've got to change your, 
your perspective on things because the world changes and mm-hmm. there are circumstances where yeah you, this is the right thing and this is the wrong thing and then they they change and the world has changed and we have to adapt so yeah mm-hmm. i would not feel guilty about pirating that shit exactly so what you're really saying is if you get knocked down you've got to get up again oh, they hate <laughs> you oh my god they hate you so much the bloody you song's gonna be show. in my head all day you twat do you know what, Stu? What? Um, I'm going to save you right now. I'm going to shut up now. Uh, good job. I'm never speaking to you again. <laughs> and you're done, pal. All right. <laughs> That's the end of an era. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. So, uh, yeah, good enough place to end it, really. Uh, unfortunately, had the, the, the ghost of Christmas chumba-wumba past thrown up in our faces, but we, we'll get over it. We'll get over it. <laughs> Hopefully you've had uh, a good Christmas. It, it can be a, a challenging time. Both Brad and I have had challenges over this Christmas period. But as we said, we want to bring a bit more light into the uh, into the world if we can make things a little bit more hopeful. Uh, to that end, we have all of our content on the socials. We have the Discord that you can join and chat about any subject that you like, including mental health. But that's it for us for this year. Hope you had a good 2022. Hoping 2023 is better for everybody. And in the meantime, stay safe and stay sane. Thank you.